Welcome to the Retail Insider video interview series. I'm your host, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here with three special guests today. This is the first time I've had this many on in a video. Uh, we're going to be talking about Zellers and its return, a bit of a Zellers 2.0 situation here. Uh, now, for those that aren't familiar, which probably would be no one watching this at this point, but um, the Bay has brought back uh, the Zellers brand. Uh, it disappeared as we know it basically about 10 years ago. Uh, this brand has been brought back as shopping stores somewhere between eight and 10,000 square feet located within Hudson's Bay department stores in Canada. Uh, with this uh, Zellers 2.0 relaunch, a uh, few brands have brought, brought in, including primarily a private label brand called Anko, which was developed for Kmart in Australia. Now, I'll introduce my three guests here. They're all uh, experts in uh, their own areas within the retail industry, but all are within the J.C. Williams group, uh, being a very highly respected consultancy based in Toronto. We've got Lisa Hutchinson. She's the managing partner and a very well-known strategist within the retail industry. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks for having me. We've got John Torella. You're a senior advisor with the J.C. Williams Group, and you're a marketing and branding specialist. Welcome, John. Great to be here. And Graham Human, you're a research and insights associate at J.C. Williams Group, and uh, you work with strategic planning, all kinds of other stuff there. Welcome, Graham. Thank you, Craig. Looking forward to the conversation. Now, let's dive into it here. We're going to talk a little bit about Zellers. Now, Lisa and Graham, I know that you had an opportunity to visit uh, the Scarborough Town Centre location, and you've been poking around a little bit uh, to have a look at what's in the Zellers here. Um, let's talk about your experiences so far and what you think of the brand. Yeah, we were there for the opening day. The opening fanfare was quite a show. It was uh, quite a sight. I will say the the marketing folks have done an amazing job. Uh, they've done a great job in terms of, I've been following them on Instagram for a couple of weeks, watching what's happening. There's definitely been the curiosity and a fun level and uh, it was not let down. We came into the shopping center before the store opened and we could hear the DJ going. It helped us figure out which direction we were going. We heard the DJ going. Then, you know, there was a lineup and lots of excitement. Uh, they had a marching band march everybody into the store, uh, which was helpful because it was a bit difficult to find after we went up another level on an escalator and then taken back to the back of the store where it was positioned, which we thought was a bit unusual, um, you know, tucked back between lingerie and furniture. Um, but once we were back there, it was really well branded. Um, we can, you know, it certainly had a well merchandised and uh, we thought that the department was well laid out. And um, yeah, so that was our first impressions as we started to dig around and, you know, then we are retail. Um, we started to go in sort of a little bit more with our critical eye in terms of the product. And as you mentioned, it's pretty much, in my guesstimate, about 80% of the Anko private label, which is, as we know, is the Kmart um, private label product. So the majority of it was that, but that didn't seem to be stopping the shoppers. People were picking up products. Um, there was definitely a demographic that was older that was really playing off the nostalgia. Um, and they were, you know, having the fun with it and picking it up. We didn't see as many young people. Um, the young people that we did see would be, you know, some moms and babies um, and shopping in the toy department and the baby department. 
Um, and then lots of people making purchases. Again, one of the downsides was that there was no dedicated point of sale and there was no Zeller's bag. So people were leaving with HBC bags or the Bay bags. Um, and, uh, but definitely lots of excitement. People were in there and, uh, you know, that's sort of my first impressions. Uh, Graham has a different eye and a different understanding and history with Zeller's. So I'll let him chime in. And I wanted to I wanted to bring up as well, Graham, you're a little bit younger than us. So I'm curious what you think of, for example, the Anko products, because I think you're in your 20s. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I am. Let's talk about that yeah. as well, because, again, I'm just curious what younger people think of the brand, because, again, I'm, I'm a few, couple decades older. So, uh, you know, I know <laughs> the old Zellers and what it was like. I remember the Truly brand and it was truly not amazing. But uh, tell us what you're thinking about what you saw at the new Zellers. Well, it was definitely very aesthetically pleasing. The brand, um, it was very well laid out. The visual merchandisers at the team at uh, Zellers did a great job of laying it out. And the product was definitely design oriented. Um, I can't say whether or not, because we didn't purchase any, how it would hold up over time from a uh, quality standpoint, but it was definitely very visually appealing. It definitely played into the younger demographic as far as design, color palette, things like that. Um, but the one thing is it, to my recollection, doesn't really have any of that nostalgia they're playing off of. It doesn't uh, attribute much to the Zellers branding as it was from 2013 and before. So um, I never thought of Zellers as sort of a place to go to get the trendy new item. And uh, now that seems to be where they're uh, where they're moving. So, um, and you know, one of the things that we have to give them kudos for is the Zellers branded clothing. I mean, that was flying off the shelves while we were there and that was not demographic specific. That was, you know, people from older generations to buying little clothes for their babies. It was all, uh, all, all flying off the shelves while we were there. I think the hoodies have sold out the red Zellers hoodies. I wore one when I was teaching a class mm -hmm. recently. Yeah, so then I followed up with a visit to Aaron Mills on the second day of their opening, you know, having seen all the fanfare of one, I wanted to go and see maybe something a little bit more typical, um, you know, the second day, a little later in the day, certainly still very busy, um, still a lineup, but it was at, at a central cash point. And so, you know, there was a, it's hard to tell, I was trying to distinguish whether it was um, you know, Zeller's products only, or were there other, uh, other Bay products in there? And, uh, so that was difficult to tell, but there was definitely a long lineup and typically the Bay stores don't have long lineups. So I think that has an impact on it, but the, the red hoodie was completely sold out at that location when I was there. And there was lots of product that was sold out there. And, and so I don't know if that was an out of stock or there just wasn't people uh, wasn't a team dedicated to doing the replenishment on the weekend. Yeah, I've been told it's hard to get everywhere. Um, it's not just in Toronto. So they may have run mm -hmm. out everywhere, um, including online. I, mean, I don't even know if it's online. Uh, now, John Torella, um, you're a senior advisor, of course, at JC Williams Group. Uh, tell me a little bit about your just general impressions of, of this new Zellers, uh, um, the branding and, and how the marketing is coming about and uh, what 
sellers is going to need to be doing, uh, and I guess the Hudson's Bay Company as a parent company, and, uh, to maintain a success longer term, because right now it seems like nostalgia and buzz are, uh, you know, really propelling this popularity for this new Zellers concept, at least as we're still in the first week of it being uh, in existence to the public. Well, Craig, you know, my sense is that uh, while the Zellers plan may add some hype and some sales and certainly some traffic that um, HBC's issues are much bigger and greater. And, um, you know, my storyline now with all my buddies is um, the Zeller's plan is like shuffling chairs on the deck of the Titanic. That if the bay doesn't really issue deal with the fundamental issues like what's the compelling competitive advantage what's the point of difference what's their usp what's their value proposition whatever you want to call it it would be really hard to define it in any competitive way you know if you look at the brand and you guys are all using brand 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 that's brands as logos and graphics, but my definition of brand is much deeper than that. So it's it's how are you distinctive? How are you unique? How are you special? Brands have to be distinctive in their look and feel at every touch point, online, in store. Most of all, they have to be relevant to the new norms and the new realities. This is a different world. And they have to be sustainable, not just in the short term, but long term, the infinite view. So if I had to boil all that garbled, garbled down, it's no noble purpose beyond profit. And that's not going to fly. What about the Anco product itself? This is a question for for well anyone and anyone on this uh, small panel that we have here. Uh, like we mentioned before, this is a line that's been brought in from Australia, and it was developed by uh, Kmart specifically for, I believe, the Australian and the New Zealand markets. Now, um, those in the United States may remember Anco coming in. It had a few stores in the Seattle area as well, but that was only from about 2018 until uh, just after the pandemic, uh, which disrupted a lot of retail and these stores unfortunately shut down. But uh, let's talk a bit about the Anko line itself. It's it's really inexpensive, at least for the most part. Uh, the design is is quite modern, uh, not what we remember from Zellers, at least from the modern part, we remember the prices. You yeah, know, I think Craig, that's what- To jump in on, on, you know, one of the things I talk about the new norms, the new realities. Well, one of the new realities is that, you know, it goes beyond product and service. We're really in the era of experience. And so while I may be intrigued by the product, you know, one off here and there and so on, if I'm going to build any kind of loyalty, particularly with the younger customer, then there's got to be an experience in there and it's got to be an emotional experience. There's got to be some relevant. I've got to have some sense of belonging, some sympathetical with that brand, or it's not going to last. Yeah, and I think I think to your point as well, Craig, is, you know, like I think uh, Graham was touching on that in terms of 
you know, is the customer looking for this mod more modern refreshed brand and it being, you know, being Anko. And so, you know, I guess we first learned of it, uh, you know, partly with our Australian partner had, had, had posted an article about Anko making the, the you know, um, sharing that they were going to be uh, the partner for a Canadian <laughs> brand to open in the in later this month, which, you know, two and two together is, is Zellers. So, you know, is it a Zellers brand or is it just a, a Zellers department and bring back some of the values that Zellers, you know, is or, or the department is is playing on, you know, there is this economic need right now for, you know, there is some space right now for an economic um, value-based retailer, you know, or, and, and there is space within the, the Hudson Bay stores. And is this an opportunity to fill that space, partner with somebody that's got a brand that might be, you know, and some product that's able to fill this, this opportunity. Um, and the space within the store. I think to speak to the pricing, what you know has been touched on is that um, when we were originally talking about it, we were sort of comparing it to the pricing that was being seen at Kmart Australia for the Anko product, and that's um, you know there's not a ton of relevancy to the to the Canadian consumer, but with Zellers specifically, with their lowest prices, the law is part of their nostalgia. Um, you know, when we actually compare similar products from a Walmart, or if it's a product that can be bought in bulk, comparing it to a Costco, they aren't necessarily going to be the least expensive. So, you know, they're not the least expensive, but they're also not the trendiest as far as even, uh, what John was saying with a noble purpose, right? They don't, they not, they're not the most purpose driven, but they're also not the least expensive. So they're kind of putting themselves into an awkward position with little differentiation, I think. One thing to note yeah, too, um, the, the $175 chair um, by Anko at Zellers uh, here in Canada, I think in Australia is 79 Australian dollars uh, in mm -hmm. terms of if we want to talk about some pricing. I don't know about other prices, but this was brought to my attention by a reader. We, we've been, I, I talked to all kinds of people and this was something that they were comparing. It's $175 still isn't a lot of money for a chair. Things are expensive in Canada, but you know, things are expensive in Australia as well. And $79 is a pretty good price and the dollar between Australia and Canada are not, not that far off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we noticed the same thing when we did some price check-in. I also I also see a, a basic flaw in their strategy of nostalgia. Because on one, on one hand, they're saying, hey, nostalgia, memories, all of that re remembering and belonging of the past. But then on the other hand, you know, their senior executives are saying their focus is on a younger customer, and that's what they really want to get. So, uh, you know, the nostalgia thing just doesn't work with that younger customer. And speaking of and nostalgia, is nostalgia strategy. <laughs> now, speaking of nostalgia, uh, what Sellers has done is it did not bring back the full size or full service restaurants that uh, the stores were known for. Um, I'm actually sometimes questioning whether or not I've said this in a previous uh, podcast that we uh, are putting out 
that uh, maybe they should have started with restaurants if that was feasible in terms of the kitchen facilities and had some sort of Zeller's merchandise. But nevertheless, what we've got now is food trucks driving around the country with, I think, five of the menu items that had been originally at Zeller's or, or similar to it anyways. But um, do you think that the food truck strategy is, uh, and this is again a question for everyone, if the food truck strategy that Zeller's has brought forward is going to be successful and will this even bring people into the stores or are they just going to get their uh, grilled cheese sandwiches and run? The, the problem with it, Craig, is it's one dimensional. I mean, if you're really going to develop this Zeller's brand, then you need a full Marcom plan, a marketing communications branding plan, both online and virtual and in-store. It has to have both traditional media, certainly the most effective traditional retail media, flyers and promotion and events and activities. It has to have consistency. So, you know, the, the food truck is a kind of clever, unique, buzzy idea. But where is the Marcom plan? Because if I go back and, you know, my reference to the Bay, where's the Bay marketing plan? You know, where's the excitement of the past with Bay Day, the hype? Remember Bonnie Brooks? and her use on TV, where where is there? There's no semblance of any thought in any of that. Um, I I guess the thing with the with the restaurant, and I think that's that's cool, a cool idea in terms of the restaurant with some some Zeller's product. Um, I guess to me with the food trucks, and we didn't get to try anything because it was poor rain, uh, and they were trying to keep people dry and keep a tent down to try and figure out how people could come. And then it wasn't there on the Sunday when I was there. Um, it all feels a little pop-up to me. Um, I think is, and, and we're all about testing, believe me, we we believe in the and testing and whatnot, but it does feel a bit, um, a bit pop-up. It feels like the location in the stores you know, there was no big construction requirements. It was just emptying, you know, 8,000 square feet or or whatever that space was and moving in some, some sort of off the rack racks, if you will, some generic fixtures with signage. And similarly with these food trucks, you know, they're not a temporary thing, a, a, pardon me, a permanent thing. So it all, it feels a bit, you know, like it's testing and, and a work in progress and there, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, and, but to your question about the food trucks bringing people in is uh, where they're positioned is not near, not even near the seller. So they're just out in the parking lot. So yeah, will it bring some, you know, maybe it's a great, great way for people to come and, you know, park at the food truck and then go into the store. Um, and it's just another way to drive some traffic. And, you know, let's face it, you know, in, in the shopping centers, the out, outside of of the department stores, all any of the department stores needs some animation. And so maybe this is the solution for them to come in the, those entrances is to, to have the food truck there. It's too one-off. It's not enough substance, you know, it, it... To me, it just, as you say, it's it's a kind of pop-up and everybody's excited about it. But where will we be, you know, in the, in the deep, dark days of August? What are they going to have going on then? How are they going to launch fall? And what's Christmas going to be like? And 
where's the annual plan? How committed is the staff into this thing? I mean, these are the essence of retail and you can't just do it with one off hype. And I, I think what you said, John, about where will we be in August is an interesting question for the food truck specifically, because I think the idea, the beauty of the food truck is the fact that it's mobile. And obviously for this time being to have it in front of the store makes sense, but it'll be interesting to see how they use it as a, a touch point for the brand and maybe expand it. And with having the ability to go to food truck festivals or to be able to go to music festivals or... Mm -hmm. Um, try to activate spaces that they aren't in right now because maybe it will drive traffic to the store, but ideally, I mean, it'll still create some buzz around the brand if they do show up to different events, right? So, I mean, maybe not a good strategy for holiday, but could be a great one as they're moving through summer. Very interesting. Now, there's been some chatter around maybe someday Zeller's opening full-size stores or at least standalone units. We don't know how big those would be yet. Probably not as large as the old Zeller stores just because you need a lot of stuff to put in them. Uh, do you think that uh, this would be a concept from what you've seen so far with this uh, Zeller's 2.0 relaunch uh, that would uh, possibly see success with something that would be larger? Or do you think maybe the Hudson's Bay company wants to utilize these smaller units uh, to drive traffic into existing Hudson's Bay department stores? Where are you going to put your money, Craig? Uh, Walmart or a full line Zeller store? Where are you going to put your money against Walmart winners? Where are you going to put your money against Dollarama? Come on. I mean, again, it's just this shuffling the chairs. It's the current. They have gone through five presidents in the last six years. Each one of them came with their hot idea. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I guess I kind of thought that we were going to see it more isolated. Uh, you know, again, I, 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 we, we were kind of surprised when we went in and, you know, had to make our way through the store. And is that part of the strategy to make people go through the store and maybe buy some other products um, or is part of one of the tactics, I should say, um, to make people go through the store? I was Don't make sort of... people do anything. <laughs> Don't make them do it. Create and I was a want, a desire, you know? Yeah. That's what you want. I was expecting it to see kind of like the locations of the top shops, you know, a corner, an exterior corner of of the store with, you know, big exterior uh, signage. I, 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 was, I was surprised to be having to make my way through the store to a department. So... You know, I think if there's a future, it is either carved off some of the existing store or or it's a standalone. But to keep it just as a department, um, you know, should it just be, uh, you know, to be a multi-department department within the department store, um, you know what's it taking from in terms of its other assort the the base the rest of the store's assortment i think the other thing to add is that there's going to be different you know there are different departments already existing and people having these stores within the stores i mean I, I agree with what lisa said that i was expecting it to be more of like we saw with the mech at yorkdale i mean obviously they put mechs into numerous locations but the one in yorkdale is really prominent um and you know frontage right into the mall but with you know, a small red sign in front of the store, 
doesn't have as much of a draw. And uh, yeah, I mean, moving that a small assortment they have currently into a full line store would be a lot of lot of work. It makes sense. It makes sense. Now this Anko line, the prices are good, and it's got uh, different categories that you also find within that host Hudson's Bay store. Is Zeller's competing directly with its host store, the Bay? Yeah, I, I think, I think in some ways they certainly are, and you know I think they've moved out some of the departments that they do compete with to make some space, but for sure I think that you know that you know you've got children's wear you know in 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 um in scarborough you know they do have a children's wear department downstairs and then you know up in the zellers department they also have children's wear so you know it's at some point are they just competing with themselves is what you're saying and i, I think the short answer is yes and by ha by keeping it as a department within the de within the store that's my opinion I think one of the other things that they're definitely competing with is, uh, you know, cannibalizing their own e-commerce, right? I mean, they already had this marketplace concept where you had some opportunity to bring in some lower cost options from whatever vendors were were interested at hosting with the Bay. So, um, you know, some of those people might find a lot of competition in some of those Anko products that are lower priced. Um, and now there's marketplace products in the Zeller's e-commerce assortment. So, it will be really interesting to see how they decide where they're going to be placing it with a separate separate website. It, it, it starts to get a little fuzzy as to where I'm buying my product. And I've got one final question here. This is a general question. Uh, what do you think is the future of the department store generally, say in North America and uh, globally, because there are different types and, and different examples around the world. I should probably start with you, John, because I know you've done some traveling and you got to look at some uh, of these department stores around the world. Certainly before the pandemic, you were traveling quite a bit. Yeah, and, and, you know, as I travel around the world and look at department stores, that's almost always my first visit. What I'm struck by is just the joyfulness, the exuberance, the excitement, the experience of it all, the sense of belonging when you're in there, the people. And, and it's back to my point, you know, today it's not just about the products you have. It's not just about the service you have. It's the emotional connection that you make with that customer where they feel a sense of, hey, there's a store for me. There's a store that's going to help me, you know, in my joy of life, my family, my home. If, if it's not that, who needs it? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of specialists. So you better be pretty special. You better be pretty unique. You better be pretty distinctive and you'll make it. But if you're not, you're doomed. I was just going to share that the, share an example that John shared with us because he spent Christmas in Paris, so he had a magical experience in Paris. When you walked in, you just the staff was there. You were greeted. Uh, can I help you? Go up to the food floor. I mean, uh, these incredible food floors. Uh, the Japanese. You know, you just see every expression of the food culture, um, the excitement, the sporting goods, you know. So, as I say, it just restored my faith in, in the department store business.
but it's it's got to be, you know, it's going to knock your socks off. I think for me, um, the challenge continues to be, you know, the density of the population base in Canada. I think that there is a space for them, but to John's point, there are lessons to be learned. You know, as as you know, Craig, you know, we get to travel to meet with our international partners. Uh, Graham and I just got back from Germany and I was in Poland in the fall. And, you know, there are some amazing department stores in these European countries and they certainly are doing it well. Um, but they also don't oversaturate. And, you know, we saw this great, this great outdoor retailer called Globetrotter in Cologne. And while it's not a department store um, per se, um, but it is a, a huge format outdoor retailer, you know, they have people that drive two hours, four hours, that drive to come see, to, to come and shop in this store. And they stay for two hours because it's experiential. And, you know, they so, you know, when you think about the, these other really successful department stores, there there's the service element and there's all that experience. And I just find our department stores are lacking that. And there's definitely this lifestyle opportunity. And so I think that there is still a lifeline for department stores, but I think they have to change. And I think we don't need as many of them. I think they need to be a destination. I think mine was to kind of combine what both John and Lisa said is that really, um, you know, we spend a lot of time at JCWG thinking about this noble purpose. And I think a lot of these department stores have really lost that essence. I mean, if you look at our most recent exit of Nordstrom, right, their, their service excellence didn't translate to Canada once they got past the six-month mark. Uh, and and started to really run into some issues. So, um, you know, another store we visited that again wasn't a department store, but one of the sales associates was so so excited to show our our group around, and knew had so much product knowledge, and and endlessly passionate about the brand that they were representing. Um, and and we we aren't getting that out of our department stores. So I think this this idea of of you know these these global brands that shop the world for you and, and bring in these products and, and know everything about it and can easily talk about it and, and make you fall in love with it as well is what's the future, but what's currently lacking. Now, Graham, as someone in your 20s, do you shop at department stores or are you a fan? Uh, I'm a fan of the right ones, I think. Uh, you know, it really, like I said, I mean, you need to have a reason to shop there. I mean, if, if I'm if I'm shopping for a certain brand, a lot of the time, one, I could either get it online or two, they might have a, an actual boutique, right? Somewhere in the, in the vicinity. Um, or if I'm looking for a specific brand, there's also a lot of small retailers who have a deeper connection with them that, uh, that will get it. I mean, I, Nordstrom lost its, its, its glamour over, over the, the years, as well as the Hudson's Bay and Saks. I mean, we we're right downtown Toronto. So, um, the, the options we have for department stores are few and far between for somewhere with a great experience. Craig, if you if you want to see the model for the department store of the future, go to China and look at the ecosystem the Chinese department stores are building. So they're not just selling you product. You know, they build up 
enough data. They know more about you than you know about yourself. They're going to take you on a holiday. They're going to do your insurance for you. They're going to help you buy a car. They're going to teach your kids about education. So this ecosystem of information, data, uh, is giving them a real sense of knowing that customer, not from a demographic, but, but from a real persona point of view. And uh, to me, if, if I were looking at Department Store of the Future, that would be my start. That is fascinating. This is something we should look at more in another segment because uh, I want to dive a little bit more into the future of the department store generally. It's something that I've been passionate about. I'm old enough to remember when there were lots of department stores in North America <laughs> with all kinds of different names, particularly in the United States. Uh, that is almost not the case anymore, unfortunately. We've seen the death of the local department store, again, primarily in the United States, but in Canada, of course, we've lost Eaton's, Woodward's, Simpson's, Morgan's, and a few others as well. So, uh, I, I lament uh, those losses, but at the same time, the world is changing as well. So I want to say thank you so much, all three of you, for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. This has been Lisa Hutchinson. She's the managing partner and strategist at J.C. Williams Group. John Torella, you're a senior advisor. Uh, you're a marketing and branding specialist, of course. We've uh, spoken to you before. And Graham Human, you're a research and insights associate with J.C. Williams Group. Again, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Retail Insider video interview series. I'm your host today, Craig Patterson. I'm the founder and uh, CEO of Retail Insider Media Limited. This has been the Retail Insider video interview series. Thank you so much for watching or listening on the podcast channel if that's how you're listening to us here today. Thank you so much again. Take care and bye for now.